Hey Simpsons Index fans, before we get into the episode, we just want to tell you about our new project, Pulp Fury Radio, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Pulp Fury Radio, it's our new anthology podcast series where we take the aesthetics of old radio and pair them with modern stories across a range of genres like sci-fi, horror, fantasy, mystery, and noir. Our first episode is out now, the alien sci-fi invasion horror story called It Came From The Bottom Of The Ocean but also from space. Go subscribe to Pulp Fury Radio on your podcast app and check us out on socials at Pulp Fury Radio. All right, now let's do the Simpsons Index. Woo! The Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is The Simpsons Index, episode 177. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me in SideQuest Studios, here as always, except when he's not BT Calloway. Oh, hoi hoi. And joining us all the way from London? Yes. In the United Kingdom is Lydia Pulteney. Hello, everyone. And thank you for joining us on The Simpsons Index. This is a podcast where we watch and view three episodes of The Simpsons at a time, but there's a twist. Each episode must come from a different decade. And now, Lydia, people might be familiar with your work over at the YouTube channel, The Simpsons Theory. Yeah, very, very up and coming. Been around for about two months now. And we're still relatively new, but has reached a fair few people and has developed an amazing audience. I post fun, colourful videos on fan theories, debunking conspiracy theories, whilst developing explorations on behind-the-scenes developments that have affected the show we know and love. Mm -hmm. No, it's great. I really love the tone of your videos. It's all very, like deep dive into fandom and you know really asking the hard questions but also really being light-hearted and tongue-in-cheek about it as well and like you're relatively new in the game as well yeah, like two months yeah what got you started in this weird year oh i know <laughs> well um i'm an air hostess normally and ah, right. <laughs> yeah i was flying through the skies and i was like brought back down to earth with covid mm-hmm. and got put on furlough for a good three months and I was like god I should be productive everyone's doing I don't know everyone's like renovating their houses and all I was doing was sitting up in my one bedroom flat and I was like you know what I'll download Disney plus and I'll binge watch something it's going to be the Simpsons and then yeah I've always wanted to do something creative I did a creative degree and I was like yeah I want to do something which is a bit have a project and Put your all into it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you've really found yourself a nice little niche in, you know, all the Simpsons entertainment that's out there, you know. And, yeah, welcome to this weird little community we've built. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's so friendly. Yeah. And, no, we're glad to have you on today. And, yeah, you've selected a great classic era episode for us to review. But first, we must talk about some newer episodes. And the first one we watched today was from the HD era, even though it was not in HD. This was Season 20, Episode 9, Lisa the Drama Queen. And, yeah, this does have the honour of being the last ever episode of The Simpsons to air in four point. Three. Yeah. What a dubious (laughs) honour. Introducing the new ranking just for this episode, dubious. Anyway, this was first released in January of Aught 9. It was directed by Matthew Nastark, written by Brian Kelly. In this episode, Lisa makes a new friend, Juliet, who they make an incredible fantasy novel together about the land of Aqualia. And Juliet gets way too deep into the fantasy. Yeah, what'd we think? 
Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like, I think it was inspired by Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. Mm-hmm. And I like that reference, but I don't think it kind of homed in enough on how insane Juliet was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They kept being like, oh, she's nuts. Oh, she's crazy. But all I saw was her hanging out in a tree and throwing a lunchbox at Lisa. It wasn't like she didn't go too Which hard. got a good laugh. I actually got a <laughs> chuckle out of that moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, they really did pile on her and it felt very mean spirited. Mm, yes, to yeah. quote, quote yeah. the Simpsons themselves, I'm ever so pissed. <laughs> uh, but before we dig into that fully, Elliot, I'm going to have to just speak through you for a second and say, what's your Simpsons history? Where did the show begin for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to ask that. It's all right. That's why I co-host, buddy. Got you back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as BT asked, yeah, I forgot to ask at the top of the show, what is your Simpsons history? Yeah, my Simpsons history, I started watching it when I was really young with my brother and my sister. We used to finish school, come back and would wait a long time to, I think the Simpsons aired at like six o'clock and that seemed like a really late Mm -hmm. for us. And it was played after a really horrible quiz show called The Weakest Link with Anne Robinson. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, God, we got to get through this to get Mm. to The Simpsons. And um, yeah, it played. And I think back then you kind of really relate to Bart and Lisa. But I think watching it now, you kind of resonate. I resonate with Marge a bit more. Mm. But yeah, and it's just kind of spanned ever since. Like I haven't watched fully. I think I've watched up to season 12 kind of in like a really consistent way but mm. anything after that is always in drips and drabs a little bit yeah 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 pretty common they don't make it easy <laughs> for you to no. do that <laughs> so mm. have you revisited and like watched a bunch of the new ones now that you started the channel and done all that yeah yeah definitely like with the Guillermo del Toro um introduction we watched that mm. episode mm. I quite like that because it seems like a new different art direction for the Simpsons yeah <laughs> But yeah, it doesn't quite have the same classic story, which I guess is really common. So, Well, that's all through this episode. Segway. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of these lovely animation moments of Juliet's fantasy, but it all feels a bit hollow. Uh, the biggest criticism I'm going to have on this, and well, to varying degrees of rage, is going to be what uh, Lydia was just saying, that what this character is meant to be and what they're meant to be all about yep. keeps shifting depending on what, like... She even has a bit right towards the end where they're trying to escape to Aqualia and Lisa's like, you know, it's not real. She's like, I know, but it's better than this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, fair. And then later on, Lisa's like, but, but it's you just keep escaping there and it's not real. It's like, she knows. She literally just said she knows. And it also got you out of trouble. Yeah. Where is yep. this conflict just created out of nothing? It's, mm, I'm ever so pissed. <laughs> and it's like they manipulate their world to suit Kearney it's like all of a sudden Kearney turns into a massive dragon Mm -hmm. and that's invested into the story yeah that may have been my favorite part of the episode and I even liked the fantasy pullback and reveal that he was actually getting beaten up when he thought he was I kind of like that in the fantasy he's a dragon beating up you know the other two bullies but then it cuts to reality and he's getting wailed on but he's happy and it's like isn't that kind of the point that the fiction is where you can be happy even if life sucks and I'm yeah, going to say the point of fiction. Yeah, and I'm going to say for better or worse, <laughs> that is a good thing that stood out to me. What about you, Lydia? What for better or worse? What's a moment that stands out to you? Well, I think, like you said, the beautiful animation, especially when they're kind of cycling towards Clamalot. I thought that was beautiful. The way it kind of correlates mm-hmm. along the way that they're moving, and I think the one bit I found quite funny was the whole um, Science of the Lambs kind of segment where mm. you thought it was going to be the Simpsons turning in like turning up to the door but it was actually the bullies yeah. and I thought that was that was all right I thought that was quite clever 
Yeah, the end of this episode was um, a lot better for me than uh, the first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it was a slow decline where I was having a pretty good time to begin with. And then just any part I thought was good was not hanging on or built on a solid foundation. There was, you know, the part where the family goes to save Lisa is like, but why is she even in trouble? And then the bully show, like, okay, fine. It's just, I don't know. I, I have issues that are going to require dismantling. And is that what stands out to you for better or worse? I don't know. What I'm going to say is what stands out for me for better or worse <laughs> is going to be in the positive. So at the beginning, they're all at the rec center and Lisa becomes friends with this girl because they both don't like the art teacher. And then, you know, the teacher just sends them out and she's like, turns around to the rest of the class and says, oh, the rest of you, why don't you draw me 20 laps? And yeah. they'll start drawing circles. Yes. I really like it. And even the follow-up bit of when, you know, she leaves over the fact is like, hurry, keep up, fatty. Unnecessary. <laughs> but I still got a joke out of it. Oh, I thought that was, again, like the piling on of, ah, that was a bit mean. But she's meant to be a bit <laughs> mean. That's a character that's supposed to be mean instead of the show being mean to a character. Yeah. I don't know. To me, the joke was, paint me 20 laps. That, yeah. like, was ridiculous and funny. <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> we both was... got told to keep up fatty in our days. Yeah, So, true. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, I felt that. But, in a, you know, it's like a relatable way. Uh, play count. <laughs> Have you seen this episode before, Lydia? No, I haven't. No, no. And B, <laughs> you went back and forth trying to figure out if you'd seen I it before. I thought this is the one where Lisa makes a friend and then gets weirded out because she's a Republican. Oh, but I was but... wrong. It's oh. not that one. Yeah, we haven't done that one yet. I know. That's why I thought it was this one. <laughs> Episodes like that one and when Sideshow Bob becomes the mayor and talking about right-wing politics are making me uncomfortable at the moment for some reason. Some reason. <laughs> Who knows why? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've seen this one a few times. Like, It's a shame because, you know, you're talking before, Lydia, about you know becoming more of a Marge person later on. Like, mm-hmm. I found myself really adoring the Lisa episodes. And when one sort of falls flat like this mm. at Oh, yeah. It hurts me a little bit more. And like, so I was watching it, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a Lisa gets a friend episode. I'm like, you know what? They've done this before, but they've not done it so many times that it's worn out completely. Not like, you know, Homie gets a new job. Yeah. So I was like, all right, yeah, cool. What do you got, episode? Oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they've all got different personalities as well because when she kind of befriends the hippies, that's a whole turning point where like Lisa really appreciates that she is who she is mm. and she can't really deny that, but people still love her for it. And then... um. There was another one. Was she, was it Winona Ryder? The redhead? Yeah, Alison, yeah. That's it. And they kind of like unite because they're both intelligent girls. And Mm. yeah, this one, it was friendship for a different reason, but I don't think it really played into Lisa's personality. No, like, I mean, almost with the whole love of literature and stuff, but. Well, I mean, there was a difference because, yeah, Lisa's rival, this was Alison was meant to be better than her when we had whatever Lisa Kudrow's name character was, I can't remember. Another A name, I can't remember. Alex. Alex, yeah, that was because she was more popular. But this one, they're kind of very much on equal footing. I mean, yeah, yeah, some kind of equalia, equality. I don't know, something about. Argh, oh right. <laughs> was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? How were the cartoony elements? Groundskeeper Willie is deaf now because he's crammed two pieces of like a rake into his ears. Yep. Uh, and we've also found out he's a doctor or he was a doctor yeah yeah this was one of like five weirdly padding extended moments throughout this episode where we see willie in ellis island and everything's kind of sepia toned you're like how old is he supposed to be (laughs) 400 (laughs) yes but yikes (laughs) did you have any cartoony moments that stood out to you well, there was a bit where they just kept mentioning an iPod and like mm. the iPod just kind of appeared in that imaginary montage like a Stanley Kubrick film and I was just expecting some monkeys to crawl out and praise it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All glory and- to the MyPod. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> with Josh Groban playing in the background. And yeah, that was oh. quite amazing. <laughs> yep. Josh Groban. I got to be a bit of old man Calloway and be, who's this Josh Groban? Does he play the music? <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> I don't know who this is. I don't know people, man. <laughs> uh, it's funny because like this episode's a decade old. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are, you behind. With, are you familiar with Josh Groban at all? Or? Not really. I think he's mentioned a bit on Glee, but like the few episodes <laughs> I watched, <laughs> no, not really. No, I mean I only have a passing awareness for uh, of him. He's in that league of like Michael Bublé. It's just he. It's, ma- it's he- pronounced Blubble. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> threw me there. I like incorrectly correcting people. <laughs> Where, yeah, it's that particular brand of inoffensive uh, mom Kmart CD. Mom rock, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very smooth. And smooth he is. Actually, he did a bit of acting. He was he played Andy's brother in the U- US office. Oh, I had no idea. It mm. was in, like, post-Corral season. Yeah, so. that's going to be late, deep season when people, you know, made us try and care about Andy. But, yeah, it was a funny angle, though, to have Andy, who's always obsessed with a cappella singing, you mm. know, get upstaged by his awesome brother uh, that his dad loves. vaguely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Josh Groban. Now, this was the first of, like, again, five really padded moments of, like, Lisa and Juliet singing Josh Groban. And, again, haven't had enough time for me to write down, who is Josh Groban? Okay, you can stop <laughs> singing now. You can stop now. That's how long it was. I had that much padding to it that I could get through all that. Mm. <laughs> and who had any idea Lisa was a Grobanite? <laughs> a Grobanite. <laughs> they have a word for themselves. <laughs> yeah, this is their juggalos for Grobanos. Groban. Groban. Grobanos sounds Ooh. like a really off-market brand cereal. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound great. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Grobanhose. I thought that was really good. <laughs> Yeah, this is another problem we run into with The Simpsons where Lisa and Juliet are singing Groban, which is ballads, which takes forever, mm-hmm. and their harmonies aren't that great. Uh, <laughs> you know, stop making Yardley Smith sing. It's you know, it's hard to sing in that Lisa voice. Stop it. Mm. But uh, speaking of lovely singing voices, uh, who picked up on who was playing Juliet in this episode? Oh, I'm going to take that one. Emily Blunt. It was Emily Blunt. Yeah, I like Emily Blunt. Why did they do this to her? I thought she did a good job in this episode, yeah, though. Yeah, but I mean the episode. Why did the episode do this to her? Yeah. <laughs> she was a bit nasally, wasn't she? I think that she was like the American kind of British accent where it's already really too all much. just turned up a little bit more, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, any other notes about her performance here? Or? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was good. And I think, you know, obviously they told her to play up the more, you know, uh, wacky aspects of the accent. And that makes sense. That's what you do in a cartoon. That's meant to yes. push the whole idea that, oh, look how different she is and well-educated. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, and Lisa was like, you can read the audiobook. So, mm. yeah, played into that really well. <laughs> oh, and speaking of uh, her well-to-do family as well, her dad is a John Grisham scholar. Like. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like this is like a dumb person's idea of what smart people are like. You know? <laughs> it's John Grisham. It's pretty good, but it's not amazing. <laughs> are you a Grishamite or a Grishamo? <laughs> oh, see, I'm gonna have to be like a please explain who John Grisham is. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, so you're like me and Josh Groban. Yeah, yeah, it's the opposite way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, this is like some dude being really proud that he's like a scholar in airport novels. Yeah, again, admittedly pretty good airport novels. I've never read one, but I know he's a well-respected you know, author and stuff. So yeah, a lot of like uh, law firms and, you know, tense uh, legal thrillers and stuff. 
okay. Yeah, made a bunch of movies of them in the late 90s or mid 90s. I'm not too sure. Pelican Brief, stuff like that. The Firm, The Rainmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's definitely earned a place for himself. And, Mm. you know, he's no Stephen King, but at least he's no Matt Riley. (laughs) Oh, you Uh, might not get that reference. He's a terrible (laughs) Australian author. (laughs) But hey, he's made money off of it, so props, I guess. I think he, yeah, he has a, like, really douchey car and his number plate is, like, I write or something. Oh, that is awful. It's well, really now I hate him again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, how about the heart of this episode? Did we feel the bumps? Fucking no! And no. this is why I should have felt it. <laughs> what do Ever you so think? Pissed. <laughs> what the? Um, it was weird because it was kind of like Lisa was treating Julia as though she was a real. It was a date more than an actual friendship. And then Marge, yeah. yeah, it was a bit weird. And then Apu kind of like chimes in. And he's like, oh, no, you should get this chocolate bar because you can accidentally share it. Yeah, yeah. I, I did feel for, like I've, I'm always going to like resonate with Marge, but I felt a bit bad for Marge because I felt like she was losing her friend a bit. And it was kind of like the whole trying to get her back. And that was kind of what yeah, I Yeah, I think they almost built up the Marge side of the story well, where they did show her Lisa like being, you know, sniffy and this is out. Yes. And I found that a bit better because, you know, Lisa is still a kid in this moment. And, you know, like you were saying, the making this relationship humor is sort of a bit off-putting, but those were the sort of moments where I was liking this story. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. It's kind of like when they're just, they're both like in the sleeping bags, laying on the floor and they're just like having that secretive girly moment where they're just it's kind of like that touching moment where lisa probably finds oh wow this person really gets me and when they asked to be best friends that was quite sweet and then marge is obviously at the door being like yes oh definitely like <laughs> and especially yeah for marge having to see uh, lisa go through so many <laughs> yeah. first time best friends as we we're yeah, mentioning before <laughs> Yeah, she's got an in-depth history, doesn't she? Poor Lisa. But what do you reckon? Did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Were the characters behaving like themselves? I would say so. Like, I feel like in The Simpsons there's kind of two different moments where it's either one episode where it's a cohesive story because obviously they feel like they've found a merely meaty story or there's one where it kind of like splits off into two but I felt like this was a really good one where all the family kind of contribute to the story and they all kind of like play their bit like Bart is obviously a bit mocking Marge is like oh you've got a letter from New York that's all that matters and Homer's just kind of sitting there a bit bewildered like well I'm gonna make my own novel by the end and yeah, they all kind of get involved, which I think I like those episodes because it doesn't feel like it's fragmented. It's all towards a purpose. Yeah, I agree. And the weird moment of the parents being involved, especially with Lisa activity, is like Homer and Marge being ultra aware of her activities with yeah. the Model UN. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they're all sitting around being like, oh, what's Lisa up to now? Oh, Martin Prince yeah. on the phone. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know if that exactly feels like an episode, like the Simpsons character with their history, but it's it's such a peculiar joke that I found myself liking that one. <laughs> Again, this felt like an episode of The Simpsons that someone was really excited about for ten minutes and then quit, mm. and they just were like, "Oh, what do we do with this? I don't know. Just fill in some blanks and let's go home." Like, there's so much filler; it kind of proves how just. How little fucks were given, and that really pisses me off. That's why I'm so annoyed with this one, is they had something there, and you could construct something out of it, and it may not have been a great something, but it would have been a complete something. Instead, they're just like, oh, and then Lisa doesn't like her anymore, because she's crazy, because she's too imaginative, and the end. Yeah. You're like, no, that's that's stupid. 
because <laughs> she randomly sends the novel at the end and within the last like minute Homer's kind of like oh writing's hard and that kind of just sums up the way it kind of like <laughs> declined and declined yeah oh <laughs> uh, definitely but mm. you know as a reset to zero that wasn't bad either but well, I appreciate a reset to zero, but have this girl actually, like, you know, her, her flights of fantasy are at first really fun, but after a while, Lisa's like, no, we, you need to be in reality because you're leaving too much. You're leaning on this as a crutch rather than an enjoyment. That's the thing. That's the direction they were going until they just didn't anymore. And they were just like, oh, no, she knows it's fake, but oh, she's crazy. He's like, but they can't be the same thing. You, you're having, like, opposing ideas and mm, just really annoying. Really, really annoying. So yes, I know. Would you watch this episode again? Um, can I physically harm media? <laughs> like I'd watch it again if I was allowed some kind of like sledgehammer that let me hit things, <laughs> and I could just knock it over and break it. We'll talk to our friends at the carnival to see if they've got one of those tests of strength things for you to watch the episode on. But what do you reckon, Lydia? I'm I'm not sure. I. Would watch it again just to see the animation again. I thought that was really nice. But ultimately, it's one of those episodes where you look at it and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what that's going to be about. And there's, I don't really feel like I'm going to get a huge amount more from it. No, I agree. And there's so many jokes that you do see coming from miles and miles away that, yeah, are just really grating when like they're just playing out to its obvious extent. And I'm not remembering which one. <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> Oh, Homer with the paying 10 bucks to the doctor dad. I'm not that kind of doctor. It's just, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to go on forever. And it was just, yeah, a bad version of the gummy bear or boil joke. Yep. Yeah. Boil or pimple, it yep. was a gummy bear. Anyway, so Lydia, we'll start with you. What would you like to change about this episode? I would like to insert some more moments where Juliet does really kind of convince Lisa that this world does exist. I think it mm. kind of skips over. I don't know. I guess it's, it's a lot to fit in within 25 minutes, but I think I'd like a bit more involvement with that and how Lisa's actually become more and more obsessed with this girl. I think it's quite hard to assume that she would go to the ends of the, ends of the earth with Julia, and I would like more focus on that. Mm. Uh, how about you, VT? Anything else to add? Yeah, focus on that core idea. And also, uh, what would really confuse me is when Marge is all like, oh, I have to stop seeing this girl. I was like, why? Okay, her <laughs> grades are slipping. She's eight, and she's finally got a friend. Like, let them slip for a semester, you know, that kind of thing. Or maybe, so have Marge clue in that maybe this girl's taking the fantasy a little too seriously, mm. and that that's your first lead, that's your first clue that not everything is right. And just stick to that idea because it's a fine idea and it just doesn't exist in this. And in the end, they act like that was the whole point all along that, oh, no, she's actually a little unhinged because her family life is so sterile and boring that she has to escape to fantasy. That would be fine. And it's there. That's what bugs me. All this stuff is there. and They're just not picking it up. Yeah. That's it. And I think, you know, if we're in an episode called Lisa the Drama Queen, there is not a lot of drama going on here. Yeah, and one of my last notes is, would you just look at this lack of conflict? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think it's an easy fix. Like, that in them playing out their fantasy, maybe they're putting themselves in danger. You know, I can't imagine the Clamalot is safe, the rundown Clamalot. Mm -hmm. So maybe if they'd set that up earlier and they were going there and Marge found out and was worried because, yeah, it's a dodgy former clam restaurant. Yeah, like yeah. Lisa falls into some kind of rusty clam bucket. I don't know. Don't pay me if you want good ideas. <laughs> and then, you know, Juliet's all like, oh, no, you've been trapped by the gnomes. And it's like, no, I need actual help. Help me. And she's like, you know, that kind of thing. I cut my foot on a clamshell. It fucking hurts. Yeah, I'm bleeding. <laughs> we need to get out of here. Oh, you've been attacked by the Minotaur. Fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, again, it's it's right there. Just pick up the ideas you already had. And the final guest stars for this episode, we had Fallout Boy playing us out of the episode. The reference came full circle. Yeah, what do we think of their version of the popular theme song to popular animated show The Simpsons? <laughs> it's all right. It doesn't beat Green Day, though. I love a bit of Green Day. But um, mm. I, I don't know. I guess it doesn't need meaning, but... Yeah, it just came out blue a bit, didn't it? It's not bad. It's just too little, too late. And I'm glad you said Green Day because, you know, when Fallout Boy and Green Day are kind of similarish styles, and when you're taking the vocals out of the performance, which would really make yeah. the two bands distinct, as well as you know their bass player actually being able to play. Fucking Pete Wentz cannot. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think Fallout Boy's strength line their pop songwriting, and this felt more pop punky and therefore wasn't distinct from the very notable Green Day version from the movie. So, yeah, it's one of these things where I'm like, why does this exist? Mm. Mm. Anyway, end rant. <laughs> All right, we're almost at the rankings. Lydia, do you have any other notes about this episode? I don't think I do, no. Oh, very efficient then. <laughs> How about you, BT? Do you have any other notes? Oh, my, yes. So I did like at the beginning when they're at the rec center and, you know, comic book guys teaching um, karate. He's like, well, for those of you who didn't bring permission slips, you just bought very expensive pajamas. Mm. Uh, and then Lisa's arts and crafts class just has crafts crossed out. It's like, no crafts. Um, <laughs> Lots of cutbacks at the rec center. I actually enjoyed the sign gag joke that opened the episode. What was mm. it? It's like a good place to be dropped off at. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Just rec center. It's this thing. Um, I do like Bar- uh, Homer's thing. He's like, now when we get there, they're, remember they're fancy, so we need to say a lot of big words. So I'm, I... I've got computer, Bart, you can have doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a good back and forth. I quite enjoyed oh, that. But then it went way on too long with Homer, like, smacking Bart as well. It's, yeah. Another bit that just went on for too long was the guy just reading The Firm by John Grisham. It's like, okay, I, I got it already. Thank you. I didn't mind the joke, though, of him putting on the soundtrack and he's like, ooh, researching again, the brief. If that had led to something, like the idea that this girl is so surrounded by this dry adult uh, literature and thinking all the time, that's why she wants to escape into fantasy, that would have been fine. Didn't do it. Again, they had the pieces i would i write down tunicorn for the win so uh, let's see some more tunicorns out there <laughs> mm-hmm. that extended folk art bit to the wipeout soundtrack for some reason what <laughs> i think both you and i were like are we sharing like a shared hallucination <laughs> yeah like it's just so odd it's odd because like someone just thought the line <laughs> folk art was like really funny and then those ran from there uh, there's a bit where, again, like, so they're at the clam wherever and restaurant and they, they do the fake out with the you know Simpsons shadows coming towards the door and Lisa's like, oh good, my family's here. It's like, why are you excited? You ran away and nothing has gone wrong yet. And again, mm. it's that problem of Juliet is a fine character at this point. There's nothing wrong with her. So why are you upset to be there? Ah. And I believe, oh yeah, and one rejection letter from one publisher and you give up. Boo-hoo. And yeah, that is all my notes. <laughs> and my final notes, this is in the playlist of Wiggum's gun horror. Yeah. Like, because, yeah, as well as Willie shoving rake spears into his ear, Wiggum had guns in his ear. Goddamn Wiggum. Gun safety, dude. Yep. Fucking hell. Yep. Disarm cops, for fuck's sake. I like the character's name, Queen Helvetica. Yeah. That was good. Very nice font. Oh, yeah. I like Vidana myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, What's I your favourite font? I do like Helvetica. It's quite like a hipster edge, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to rank this thing on the Simpsons Index. We rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. But maybe if the episode was just, you give a participant. But for the positive rankings, you got OK Bronze, Good Silver, Excellent Gold. But for the best, of the very best, the episodes which the Simpsons could not exist without, you give Cubic Zirconia. I'm going to go first. Let me show you how it's done. 
Mm. I was really close to a bronze because there's a lot of elements of this episode that I like, but just the overall package was just really boring and dry, mm. and I, yeah, don't want to watch it again. BT. Fail. Really? I hated this one. Like, it's, I started off okay, and even though there were some jokes in there I quite like, it's the fact that it just couldn't be bothered finishing what it started. It had the pieces of its own plot there, and it just didn't put them together, because fuck effort. Why? You're watching this TV anyway. You'll do it, you drooling slot bags. I couldn't even <laughs> think of a word there. I said slot bag. I didn't even know what I was going for. I was going for, like, slime ball, and I got stuck in another word, because I can't talk today. I'm sorry <laughs> to bag. all the slot bags out. I know. I don't, I don't. This episode is broken, BT. No, I was already broken. Now I'm just talking. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, it, it insults your intelligence by assuming that you'll just accept this plot line that it itself could not be bothered finishing to create. Again, that was not a sentence. God, I suck today. And how about you, Lydia? What would you like to rank this thing? <laughs> I agree with everything you guys were saying, uh, particularly BT, where you kind of say that it kind of has all the elements of being like, oh, let's explore this house. She's driven to this um, obsessiveness. And I think for me, it's going to be a participant mayor, simply because I think that, mm. like you kind of said, it kind of ended quite lazily. And just with... Mm. Homer kind of holding up his hands at the end of being like, writing's hard. I think that kind of just sums it up for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, like it, it was the episode's own defense going, oh, but this is hard. Yeah. Like, That's why you get paid. <laughs> and yeah, a weird, interesting looking visual of like, yeah, all the characters is like starfish and a truck and beer and hot dog and dancing donut ladies. But why? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And this will average out into being a dull participant. It'll be the third episode from season 20 that we've given a dull participant. And coincidentally enough, these are two other episodes that were not widescreen episodes mm -hmm. from the HD era. They will be joining Double Double Boy in Trouble, where Bart does like the parent trap thing. Mm hmm. And also Dangerous Curves, where Marge and Homer tell a very confusingly timeline story uh, about yeah. how they met Ned and Maud like 20 mm. years ago or something. Real direct in that pile. All right, let's move on to a nice episode. I Yay. think this is an episode that a lot of people will remember fondly. Uh, we are going to watch season 11's The Last Tap Dance in Springfield. BT, what is this episode? Tapper, tapper, tapper. <laughs> Oh my god, it's not a joke answer this time. You're actually saying what it was. Tapper, 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 tapper. All right. Well. Tapper, tapper. <laughs> Hopefully this episode will fix you, man. Tapper. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go watch that. We'll be back. Tapper. And we are back, and we just watched our Teens Era episode, and this was Season 11, Episode 20, The Last Tap Dance in Springfield. First released in May of Ought, it was directed by Nancy Cruz, written by Julie Thacker. In this episode, people should know this one, this is the one where Lisa gets tap dancing lessons, and eventually gets tap shoes programmed by Professor Frink. Hmm. <laughs> and in the B story, Bart and Milhouse spend a week at the mall. Hey, what do we think? I really liked it. I think I've watched this episode so many times. But, um, same. <laughs> I think I just, uh, the same gags, like, I think it's just the way that Professor Frink is like, oh, the shoes are actually turned off. And then, like, <laughs> and then Homer Sips is like, nah, sorry, they're off. And then, like, yes. Clearly in the arm position, just shoves in everyone's oh. face. On closer inspection. <laughs> <laughs> what a good time and yeah mm. may as well while we've mentioned it play count have you seen this episode before bt oh my yes yeah. ever so many times yeah there's a coincidence <laughs> yeah by pure chance not even knowing this was the next episode this is where i'm ever so pissed came from yeah there we go <laughs> 
And I didn't even realise it. I thought, are you confusing it with Thrones of Game, our no. other podcast? No, it was from no. this one. No one says I'm ever so pissed in Thrones of Game. <laughs> <laughs> they might. I'm Jon Snow and I'm ever so pissed. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I'd imagine Lena Headey would. But anyway, let's back to this podcast. Lydia, we'll start with you. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you from this episode? Oh, a moment that stands out for me is that little homage to Shirley Temple. I love that little Mm -hmm. black and white segment with the cats. Pause. As it <laughs> like yeah. wipes its eyes, I love that. And, um, and then the apparently... cat gets up and tap dances. And... <laughs> it's a jolly old time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have much uh, affinity with Shirley Temple's work, who this episode seems to be heavily referencing? Well, for this, I was like, I had to get the date right. So I know she did films in the 1930s. Yeah. And I think now she's a US ambassador, and she doesn't actually mm. like to use the word the name Shirley Temple. She goes by Mrs. Charles Black. Yeah. (laughs) So she kind of separates us. And I think she told the producers to F off when they approached her about voicing it, which is a bit sad. (laughs) Well, it makes sense when you're really wanting to turn that life and, you know, not be a part of it anymore. And there's even an alcoholic beverage. It's not even alcoholic. It's just a cup of sugar. I was about to say, I I naturally just assumed Shirley Temple died of cocaine and Shirley Temple overdose, but (laughs) apparently not. (laughs) Apparently she's an ambassador. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. No, that's it. This is one of those things where I don't really know if The Simpsons are doing a loving parody or homage or anything mm. here because I am not at all familiar with this sort of uh, Tap film. classics? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Not even Singing in the Rain? <laughs> no. Shit's good. One of the things that I've, I've loved actually yeah, with Long Haul Flights is being able to put on like one of those classic really slow-paced movies uh, to be able to yeah fall asleep on a plane to. Yeah. So as enjoying them as cinema yeah, is like, sort of a bit beyond me. Mm, like <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse, that's a snoozer. Oh, wasn't it just? <laughs> working as an airline hostess, do you get that privilege at all to watch stuff while you're not working? or? Well, recently, yeah, because we've only got about three like passengers on the planes which is mm. great <laughs> on our break times this is a bit naughty but i've quit now but um we were using the first class seats nice. to basically um use our break time so we were watching a lot of movies yeah let me, let me expand on that question did you have any like passengers complain to you personally like you had programmed the entertainment and they were angry <laughs> at you <laughs> Wow, like funny story. I was doing a flight to New York and I don't do many, but we had this really funny Italian-American guy and he was like, do you have any porn on here? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm sorry, sir, we don't. But um, yeah, like that was the only complaint we've had for the entertainment so far. I think otherwise it's okay. pretty good. Because <laughs> yeah, I assume customers in the air were just as dumb as customers on the ground. I got blamed the other day because someone looked up the wrong website oh. the, and came into my store expecting it to be like the store he'd looked up and was like, you, you went to the wrong website. You should change the name. Um, okay, bye. Oh, wow. <laughs> but no, the standards of airline movies is like, it's funny like that he'd even ask if there's porn, you know, because ADR versions of movies are like one of those things, you know. Yeah. The airplane version of like Big Lebowski, what is it? Well, I mean, I read... French of Man in the Alps. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Find a Man in the Alps. Yeah, this yeah, is one of my favourite censorings. Like... Uh, no, I remember I mentioned X-Men Apocalypse and they blur Olivia Munn's cleavage in that. Yeah. This like tiny cleavage window in her, in her costume and they blurred it. It was hilarious. Yeah, there was this one HBO series that I was watching on a plane once and it was like a parody about uh, cycling Mm. and there were several like just full-on dick shots in it and it was one of those things where it's like 
oh, I have to turn this off. Like, this is really <laughs> funny. And, like, it's got Will Forte in it. I love him. But Jesus Christ, like, I don't want to be seen. <laughs> as, as the passenger watching the dick movie. No. Uh, so, no, that's when I watched Gene Kelly is on a plane. Anyway. Tangents. <laughs> BT, what stands out to you for better or worse from this episode? Little Vicky is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Isn't she just? Like, she's the worst, but damn it, it's funny. She has so many quotable lines out of this. Like, we already said, ever so pissed. Even just tapper, tapper, tapper when that was in my head. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, a- and puller, puller, puller. Puller, 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 of course. <laughs> she is filled with such great advice. And it just, now this may hurt a lot. What am I saying, may? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone line up for uh, dimpling. God, so many good lines. I'll get to more later. But yeah, I think Little Vicky is one of those one-off characters that just knocks it out of the park, is really quotable. You instantly hate her but want to see more of her. Yeah. Yep. So the writer of this episode, Julie Thacker, this was all inspired from when she was she was getting her five daughters into dance lessons. Mm-hmm. Five daughters. Yep. <laughs> and coming up against, yeah, these types of teachers that she really hated and also all the dance moms and stuff. Mm. And I think this episode does, like, interestingly shine a little bit of a light on that, like, way before any of those, like, reality shows yeah, that do. Yeah, for sure. And I do, do kind of appreciate it didn't do too much of the dance moms. I feel like yeah. that at least would eventually become a very heavily tread territory. So despite the fact that would have been fairly original when this first came out, I like that that's not what it's about. It's about the teachers. Yeah. Or the teacher. Yeah. And the kids kind of turn on Lisa as well, don't they? Like, mm. Ralph's like, she hurts my eyes. and Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Poor Lisa. Fucking Ralph getting whole, all high and mighty all of a sudden. <laughs> he became the star. He's good at something for a change. Yeah. Started out scared of his shoes and now he's doing fucking uh, triplets and polyrhythms on his mm. tapping. I don't think they call them polyrhythms. Well, maybe they do. Yeah. Right in, dance enthusiasts. He was doing some, like, two over three action. Yeah, but is that, is that the tap reference or is that the music nerd reference, you music nerd? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm just a dumb music nerd. <laughs> Was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? How were the cartoony elements? I thought it was really good. I like the mix between, like mm-hmm. we said, like the sepia tone mixed with I like just Professor Frank being mad and inventing yeah. these. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's creating some kind of um, weapon of mass destruction, like behind the scenes. And yeah, yeah. All starting with one of those weasel balls. Yep. <laughs> what happened when it faded to black? What happened to poor Homer when he touched that thing? <laughs> I mean, thank God Homer's a, you know, deity. That's true. <laughs> no, there's plenty of wackiness in this one. They have a literal acme trap. I yeah. mean, and I do like that, you know, they let the lion out of the cage. It immediately goes to the cheese. Do you want to get a spare the lion? Would you? <laughs> get the spare lion, rather. Backup lion. There it is. In my own notes. But yeah, as how much more cartoon wacky do you get than that with a basic wily Coyote roadrunner amalgam with fucking <laughs> yeah. anvils to boot? And even Wigan being like, oh, what if I can get that cheese before that anvil falls off me? <laughs> oh, and the crusty eyes as well. Jesus. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> it looks salty. <laughs> salty. Yeah. Oh, my God. And. But- yeah, I do love the bullies taking advantage of him as well. Mm-hmm. Short little appearance of the bullies playlist, I think we're working sure. on today. Yes. But I definitely want to call a lot of attention to, it's a it's fiction within fiction, the uh, movie, The Tango de la Muerte. Because mm. God, that's, again, full of great quotable lines and just wacky nonsense altogether. It's like, 
It starts off with the whole, uh, well, as your wise but alcoholic dance coach, I know your mm. father is looking down on you somewhere and smiling. Well, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> and then my, one of my favorite couple of lines is, uh, you are now pregnant with my child. It is the mystery of the dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. Yes. And like Latino Millhouse just in the background being like, <laughs> I should sugar my own churro or something. Brilliant. <laughs> we, we popped so hard for that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this episode dozens and dozens and of times, but that was still so hard never clicked for some reason I don't know. <laughs> just yeah the idea that yeah she he's going up to all these people ready to dance and for no particular reason there is a person on a chair reading a book on the edge of a dance floor about dancing but uh i do like that he, he rejects each one by like a dramatic thrust of his hips like that's just how he communicates like that, that that's a man nice he's like not you <laughs> not you <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, uh, totally the she's all that, you yeah. know, not another teen movie scene of... Yeah, the glasses fly off, the hair comes down, the cleavage pops out, and it's just like, oh, wow, what a transformation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we can't talk about wackiness as well without one of my most favourite elements of this episode. Yeah, Barton Milhouse's little mm. adventure. <laughs> yes, yes, because um, it reminded me of the eight-legged freaks. Like, I was just like, oh, it'd be amazing to be trapped in a mall and like, especially a sweet shop would be amazing. And... Um, <laughs> I read that in the time of this episode, 2003, mm. there seemed to be a trend in cinema where it would kind of focus on being trapped in a mall and the excitement of it. Um, oh, right. Yeah, I think that's why the writers were kind of inspired to do it. That's just what I read on Simpsons Wiki, which is a, obviously a really good source. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it was like kind of inconsequential as far as a B story goes, but mm. I just really loved the cute wackiness of it. And like, yeah, It's like a, a childhood fantasy, 100%. Mm. Oh, definitely. And... This is one of the rare montages where I was like, I loved every single joke in mm -hmm. this. I wrote all of them down and then ended it with, fuck this rules. <laughs> <laughs> like the flavor's gone and mm -hmm. hey, no golf shoes. <laughs> and oh, the cookie dough going up Millhouse's nose. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the raft on the escalator, the bins down the hall. Like they are having so goddamn much fun. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Like God knows what they'll do on that camping trip because they are living their mm. lives. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Just, their best lives. In, it, Milhouse, in Nelson's words, getting pounded every day. Mm. <laughs> but even the mm. lead into this, which was, um, I know, well, this is like my dad always says. And then Barco's little thought bubble <laughs> of like fashion, food and shopping. The mall has it all. And then it runs off like Mel's like, what? What does he say? Like a good little anti-wacky moment. Well, this is what I love in the wackiness in this episode, because there is a lot of this absurdity, but all the jokes fucking land for me. Hmm. Well, how about the heart of this episode? Did we feel the ba-bumps? Oh, come on, it gets poured on so well when Lisa like walks up to Homer and Mine's like, I know I said I wanted to learn dance, but... And they're like, oh, yes, yeah, so a little dancer. Oh, a bright little star. What did you want to say before you said I wanted to quit dan learn dancing, but... Yeah. <laughs> and then when she walks, I was like, oh, God, what does that sound? The radiator? <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Oh... Yeah, yeah, and there was a similar moment in the last episode where, like, um, Homer and Marge are just sitting there having coffee, enjoying themselves, and then, mm. like, yeah, Lisa mm. pops up with a new venture, and, yeah, I think it's nice. And the way Professor Freak just kind of takes her under his, her, his wing and is like, we will do this. It's like nerds sticking together. It's good. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. <laughs> just like our Simpsons nerds. Where, yeah, good <laughs> Simpsons nerds stick together. Definitely. Just like good, good Simpsons nerds do. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, Lisa's whole, you know, she's genuinely tried at this. She's just bad. Yeah. And, like, gets no extra attention whatsoever, because that'd be communism. <laughs> <laughs> Again, little Vicky just... <laughs> I did tap my Morse code to the, to to the, the allies, allies. <laughs> to roll out the red carpet for the Reds. Fucking hell. I know. Uh, so many good lines from her. Yeah, what an amazing character. But yeah, again, to bring it back to the wackiness, like, of course, the tap shoes thing is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but I think I totally sell it at the end with the build up and everything. And like, especially because you feel victorious for Lisa and yeah. then the applause <laughs> is making it worse. It's so good. Yeah, she does that little wall run thing. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, because this is sort of, as I was getting a bit, you know, Jordan's anal corner about the whole thing, because it's like, even if the tap shoes could, like, replicate the beat, basically, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be instantaneous, and also it wouldn't do all the slides and extra flourishes that don't involve feet. I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's pretty easy to counter that with just a simple shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you having a good time? Yes. (laughs) And yeah, like you were saying, Lydia, before about Frink trying to make her feel better at the end. Yeah. And I kind of wish they had more of Lisa and Frink being friends because, you know, mm. they hang out a bit in the Mensa episode and I feel like they've had a couple of interactions since then. But That's true. Like. Yeah. They become part of like an elite club, don't they? With um, There's a few other intellects of Springfield and they all kind of... Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, it's a Frink had tried being friends with Bart, you know, offered him the use of his rocket motorcycle. And- yeah. <laughs> That friendship never got explored. Well, he's like Q, you know? He gives yeah. the neat gadgets and then he goes away. You don't spend the entire movie with Bond and Q. Although I would watch that buddy cop movie. <laughs> In fact, I'm writing that buddy cop movie now. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Are these the characters you all know and love? It's a wackier one, but yeah, I think integrity's on point. I feel like so. I feel like it's one of those episodes where it starts off with a complete random storyline of Bart obviously going to camp mm. and then Homer's like crusty eyes and then it just turns it on his head and it turns out that Lisa is tap dancing with Shirley Temple or Little yeah. Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> no, it feels very classic. I love it. Yeah, I do actually really like the kind of, not misdirect, but the kind of, you know, she goes to see Tango and tell him, well, Tess, that's the dance she wants to do, but then just gets kind of railroaded into tap by the teacher. I like that kind of you already sympathize with her because this is not what she wanted, yeah. but now she's in it anyway. And I really like that kind of misdirect of, oh, it's going to be about, you know, salsa dance. Oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a similar thing like in that South Park episode where they go to see like the WWE mm. and they get really excited about wrestling and they join the school wrestling and it's like the actual like, you know, <laughs> uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. And yeah, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so, yeah, there is a bit of that as well. Like, yeah, the kid's seeing something cool in the movie, yeah. and, but the closest real world thing yeah, isn't. But, like, story-wise, that would be the equivalent of, oh, no, before you learn salsa, you have to start at tap. Tap is your fundamentals. And it's mm. like, but it's not that. It's just little Vicky just being like, oh, no, you're going to do what made me ever so famous. Do what I say. <laughs> I actually also really like a bit where Marge like, oh, I think she had her heart set on. And then little Vicky's like, uh, don't live by through your channel. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> backing off immediately is very... Marge and being like, oh, I don't want to be that kind of parent. Sorry. Yeah, even though like Marge and Homer were obviously laying it on very thick in their <laughs> whole, you know, what were you saying before? It we was were... all from a place of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Homer's like, give up for my girl. And everyone's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. E- encouraging her demise at the end. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, loving proudness. I wrote it down loving specifically because it was a very interesting to- use of phrase. But yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Definitely yes. Tapper, 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 I would. 
Hell yeah, and episodes that we want to watch again. We like to think about what playlist they'd go in. So what are some other episodes that remind you of this one that would pair well with it? Yeah, uh, Simpsons starting off by watching TV with... Uh, oh, yeah. The, what is it? Cyborg Organizer. To... Cyborg Organizer. <laughs> and I do like Homer's line of, I want to watch this for the network retools. And then he's like, how can I still be a single father? It's like, ah, oh, my God, to it. <laughs> and this modeling agency. <laughs> um, Simpsons just go to the movies. Oh, yeah. There's uh, a few good fun ones, you know. Mask, it... The Mask of Zorro one, the glove slap. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the mall, the Springfield mall. Yeah, sure. So, like, pair this with the angel, the see the angel episode and all yep. that. And I guess camp stories almost, but not. <laughs> pair it with Camp Krusty, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's like the old vitamin barn when you go to camp. Oh, the old vitamin barn. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good amount of playlists. So, Lydia, what would you like to change about this episode? Well, I was looking and there isn't actually anything I disliked or thought came to mind of changing it. Oh, I don't know. What actually does happen to Bart and Milhouse at the end? They kind of just escape them all and... Milhouse gets <laughs> briefly attacked by a puma. It's <laughs> a lion. Oh, a lion, right. Yeah. It did look more like a mountain lion, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll kind of like a good close to that. I thought that'd be quite like whether or not they get found out or whether or not they yeah. do end up like jumping back on the bus with Nelson and they get pounced again and then he jumps off and he's like, oh yeah, I've been to camp. <laughs> <laughs> they find out Nelson was staying there the whole time as well and then, hey. <laughs> I thought the um, store names for this episode was great as well with the, um, I think they had Icaramba for the opticians. Yep. And <laughs> that was very, very good. <laughs> that was so good. And then like Tommy Hill Climber. I thought that was very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. And one of my other favourite bits in the Icaramba bit is, but, forced a tantrum to get out of shopping with Marge so he can then double back to the optometrist to fuck with Homer. Yeah. <laughs> I ate PP. <laughs> BT, what would you like to change? Ooh, I don't think I really want to change anything because nothing really stuck out to me as being a problem or being really even lagging. A lot of this kind of goes through very briskly and is a lot of fun. Um, and I even, I'm okay with Bart's story not really having a conclusion either. It's just like, this is his wacky adventure and it's over now. Yeah. I think technically you could make this episode better by doing not such a rat wacky robotic thing with the tap shoes, but, you know, that's a me being like, uh -huh. you know, I don't actually care because that was a whole lot of fun. But, mm. you know, if I'm pulling The Simpsons up on shit that I usually do, you know, yeah. I'll remain consistent. But just know that, yeah, in this example, I think I nailed it. Well, it's always okay if you're having fun. That's it. Yeah. It's important to have fun. Guest stars of this episode. Did anyone guess who was playing the role of the Lions? Of the Lions? Yes. I mean, I'm going to guess Frank Welker because I always will. It oh. was Frank Welker! Hey! <laughs> Not Meryl Streep being Frank Welker? She could probably do it. I know she could. <laughs> All right, we're here. Lydia, do you have any other notes about this episode? Bits you want to mention before we rank this thing? I do quite like the blackboard gag and like it weirdly relates to the episode where it says, I will not dance on anyone's grave. Oh. <laughs> Especially Tango de la Muerte, you know, dance of murder. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, otherwise, I couldn't think of anything particular, no. All right, how about you, BT? Any other notes? Oh my, I have a bunch. Like, like Marge's line of, every brand has a different idea of husky. It's like, yeah, mm. that's clothing for you. Oh, and I did forget to mention in that moment where Bart is readying the tent. I really do love this. Counting down to tantrum in 10, 9, remembering dead cat for real tears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was so good. And then, yeah, such a good accent as well. Oh, yeah. God, now I can't forget the cat. Yeah. Rest in peace, Snowball One. Mm -hmm. Homer mentions that Val Kilmer is his favorite door. I thought it was a very neat little uh, reference. To? The Doors movie that starring uh... Val Kilmer. Oh. 
fuck yeah. See, you know all about the music nerd, but you don't know about the made-for-TV mo- no- movies. I, <laughs> I never saw that one. I, I can't, can't imagine notes. it was good. I didn't either. I just know it exists. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but what us cool guys do. Well, yeah, he could be a favourite door, but I don't think he'll be ever anyone's favourite Batman. Oh, my, no. <laughs> I have more Tango Delamotte. Where he died, I shall live in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've got my seventh foot reattached. <laughs> <laughs> just tell so much with giving so little. A uh, little back and forth. It's like, oh, hi, little Vicky. Oh, just call me Vicky. Oh, okay, Vicky. A little Vicky. Uh, but, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just let you know what kind of person she is in a very quick dialogue setting. I like when they're all, oh, we'd have to listen to annoying camp songs. If you're happy and you know what, shop, shop at stands. <laughs> we have discounts <laughs> on all major brands. Brought Love to you by it. stands. Yeah, would you Lisa ask little Vicky for help? She's like, we seem to be falling a lot. Try not doing that. <laughs> uh, that's a smile, not an upside down frown. <laughs> oh, God, she's the best worst. Yeah, exactly. Now, remember, the kids, the important thing is to just dance flawlessly. <laughs> yep, more best worst. Um, I do like when they're running away from the line. It just says exit and then coming soon. Again, the cartooniness of this chase scene as well. That yeah, it may as well have been, you know, the painted on fucking railroad yeah, exactly. tunnel. <laughs> Uh, my final note is one that I really, really love, which is, uh, Bruce is all, oh, I guess I'll never be a Broadway baby. And Homer is like, well, you know, maybe you get to write a depressing play that gets played on Broadway. It can be about people coming to terms with things, <laughs> which is my favorite way of explaining, like, any non-fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's about people coming to terms with things. Oh, God. Lisa failing at the end playlist, unfortunately. Ugh. No, but it's real. She just isn't good at something. That's fine. You can not be good at things. Yeah. That's so why I love that episode of Community of the Jeff studying ceramic. And it's yeah. just, <laughs> you'll be good at some things, but bad at others. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, my final notes. I love Bart's hustling side as well. Just get me a deck of cards and I'll win what I need in camp. <laughs> oh, Homer's got an amazing line. Um, Yoko Ono, she ruined the plastic Ono band. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're looking at all the different dances you can do, and I love Rich Texan leading the square dancers, just <laughs> shouting random barnyard things to do. And everyone's confused. <laughs> ah, square dancing is the worst. Um, Millhouse's grandmother has skin like a basketball. Mm. What do you reckon this means? In dimples or color, or the fact that it's got like black curvy stripes all over it, too? I think yes. To all. And very, very bouncy. Her face is. <laughs> Has a big tattoo sleeve of Spalding. <laughs> <laughs> and my final note is I love Frank singing Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's time to rack this thing. PT, your turn to go first. I'm going to go with a solid silver. I'm not quite into the gold territory because it's not, you know, those amazing Simpsons episodes that tie into the heart and the just amazing hilarity. But it's a solid time. I had got some laughs, had a good good roller coaster run through the shopping mall. And uh, yeah, silver sounds good to me. How about you, Lydia? Yeah, I think similarly. I think only because I couldn't really find anything to say against it i would give it a mm. gold excellent because i've watched it loads of times and i still have a little giggle which is nice mm-hmm. i'm going cubic wow. <laughs> <laughs> and i know this is very rare and look i don't this isn't again to say that this is a perfect episode because there are a, a handful of jokes that kind of fell flat for me but mm. like this is an example of the simpsons in the teens era doing it right for me and but all the way up to cubic all the way up to cubic yeah okay. it's again this isn't a cubic story but holy hell the jokes are ca- and you know what actually it is a cubic story as well like they set up the mall at the beginning mm. and they followed that through with bart's story and uh with branching off it like i think it's quite eloquent even though it's yeah very silly okay 
All right. And that will be a gold by way of split decision. This will be joining other golds by split decision across the series, including Bart versus Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. where Bart took on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. The Front, where Abe wrote an itchy and scratchy. Homer goes to college. Mm-hmm. Bart's Girlfriend, starring... Patrick Swayze? And My Sister, My Sitter, where Lisa looks after Bart. Bad babysitting. Oh, yeah. oh, and also She of Little Faith, which was when Lisa becomes a Buddhist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ellen gave a cubic for that one. Mm. Good for her. Mm. All right, and this will be the time where we go to our classic era episode now. And we are going to go to season eight's The Twisted World of Marge Simpson. BT, what is this episode? Okay, so basically it's a mix between The Cell and Inception. We go into Marge's mind and get to see what really makes her tick and... It, it gets dark. It gets real dark. Oh my goodness, especially the scene with the horse. Worse than the Godfather scene with the horse, the cell scene with the horse. Anyway, we're going to go watch that and we'll be back. Came up with a movie playlist of horse murder. <laughs> And we are back, and we just watched our classic and final episode of the evening. This was Season 8, Episode 11, The Twisted World of Marge Simpson. First released in January of 1997, it was directed by Chuck Sheets. He certainly does. And written by Jennifer Crittenden. In this episode, this is the one where Marge Simpson starts a pretzel franchise. What do we think? Absolutely amazing. Love it. This was fun. Mm -hmm. Good time was had by all. Oh my goodness, like, it's such a nice change to get a great teens episode, and then, yeah, we're very spoiled today, I think. (laughs) Well, we had to endure that first one. (laughs) And some had to endure it harder than others. Mm. But Lydia, so I send my guests, you know, a short list of classic episodes to pick from, and the list is getting very short these days as we're circling our last year of the podcast, and out of all the episodes you picked this one, why is that? I just love this one because it involves my favourite underrated character, Mm. Fat Tony. I Mm. love him. (laughs) And I just think that I love the way Marge kind of stands up to the Stepford Wives of Springfield. (laughs) And and it kind of shows like a nice little character development, even though they're like short little episodes. I think she comes a long way within such a short period of time. No, absolutely. And I think, yeah, the so-called Stepford Wives of Springfield get a a moment to shine as well, which is nice because a lot of these uh, women are sort of defined by the characters that they're with. It's nice seeing them out on their own. Definitely. Yeah, the way they call her, yeah. But yeah, do you have uh, much history with this episode in particular? Um, Not really. I think I've watched it when I was younger, but I think only watching it now, I kind of see it through the eyes of my mum. And Mm, she's the kind of woman that every Thursday, her and her friends, particularly now, have a Zoom chat and they discuss business ventures they could go into. She's been looking into doggy bow ties. So that's... (laughs) Always a promising industry. Absolutely. (laughs) Evergreen. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, when everything else is going to shit, I think a doggy bow tie market will... (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Like, it was kind of a rough day for me today. And if I could see a dog wearing a bow tie, that would perk me right up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're actually dog sitting Roxy on the weekend, so... Get that dog a bow tie. (laughs) Oh, I said you went over. Exactly. Oh, I hope so. Roxy, it looks so dignified. (laughs) Roxy's actually been on this podcast before. Remember Mm. that episode with Maddie and we had her in here and she just 
was the most anxious dog ever. Yeah. yeah. I still wonder if a soundproof room freaks the fuck out of a dog because they have you know, such sensitive hearing to not be able to hear properly. must just weird them right the hell out. Because Bella does fine in here. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I'm confused. And, and Roxy is a giant poodle that may as well be a llama. It's a big dog. <laughs> big poodle. Anyway, back to this. God, I'm good at tangents today. So we'll start with you, Lydia. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you from this episode? Uh, a moment that stands out for me, I love it when Homer kind of walks into Moe's um, bathroom and Fat Tony's in there and he's like, you need to give me the money. And then um, <laughs> Homer just kind of like flips it totally on Fat Tony's head and he just kind of yeah. makes Fat Tony feel awful for... Yeah. <laughs> you mean the mob only did me a favour to get something in return? Oh, yeah. Fat Tony. <laughs> I will say good day to you, sir. I said good day. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Tony realizing he's been played. Oh, you're right. He is such an amazing character. And even though, yeah, he is a total caricature, I think Fat Tony in this series just stands out. And this is a great episode for him to shine. Definitely, definitely. I think him talking about his wife obviously bossing him about and <laughs> wanting the pretzel money and the whole key in the car ignition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there a button or release for these keys? Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> It's hard to play a character who's meant to be, like, intimidating to, like, a murderous degree, Mm. but still have them have funny moments. Hey, man, even murderers got to get up and put their pants on one leg at a time and, you know... Miss that one leg. Yeah, and just just (laughs) deal with, oh, we're out of milk. (laughs) Why'd you put the empty carton back in, you know? Yeah. Human moments still happen to monsters. He is still people. Mm -hmm. How about you, BT? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? So I really like the kind of what I feel are subtle jabs at society in general. So like uh, things like the Americanization or the Westernization of uh, international foods with (laughs) Fleeta Peter, who's just all like, what's falafel? Oh, crunch patty. (laughs) What's tahini? Flavor sauce. Yeah. uh, So we'll be selling, I can't remember what the term is, when she switches it to specialty foods. Yeah. We'll be switching ethnic arts. Specialty foods. Try a Ben Franklin. Yeah. (laughs) And I love he's not just saying nonsense. What's in this? Oh, it's a bully and reshmi kebab. Mm. And it's like, those are are things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But also like the kind of critique on the way a lot of companies will project their profits, like Disco Studio going, do you know Disco record sales were up 400% in 1976 if these trends continue. It's hey. like, yeah, anytime they talk about trends continuing in anything, you're like, yeah, if they continue, which they <laughs> never do, because that's not how things work. Yeah. And I'm just, what I assume is a little jab at customers in general for when they're all the nuclear power plant employees are lined up and they're like, when he's like, let's see, I'll have. Uh, <laughs> Mm, uh, one one pretzel. It's like <laughs> I'm sure we've all been in like a long long line at McDonald's, and there's like someone at the front. It's like you've been standing there for ten minutes. How do you not already know what you want? <laughs> I can st- imagine you doing it that at the liquor store, a mm. short store though, I like because your equivalent of that is wine, and it's like, oh, what all I have here? It's just like it's all, it's all wines. <laughs> all, there was no difference between any of those pretzels oh, as with the wine. <laughs> Yeah. I love everything about the intro sequence with the Franchise Expo because Mm -hmm. I think this is a way for The Simpsons to 
essentially do one of these sketch shows that so often episodes open mm. up with, but it's all related to the story. It's all he- inherent. Everything's making a point. And yeah, they get to have a nice little buffet of little jokes and jabs at um, these sort of businesses. Yeah, and it's all related to Marge's mood. I'd like the, um, did you know 40% of all pitches in America are crooked? <laughs> <laughs> well, who's going to fix them? Your friends? Your neighbours? Those fat cats over in Washington? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> what if I don't need it? Now who's being naive? <laughs> Just for frame nudging. Uh. <laughs> I love the commonly asked questions in that. Who are you and why are you here? <laughs> did you have any favorite moments from the expo the franchise yeah. expo yeah i agree i love the whole frame nudging segment and the way disco <laughs> stew shoes i mean <laughs> <laughs> them just floating and in <laughs> he just doesn't care bless him <laughs> i can't get them out of there <laughs> oh god how long have they been there <laughs> since 1976 dear god <laughs> play count have you seen this episode before hundreds of times yes yeah, how about you, BT? My viewership is up 400%. <laughs> yeah, this is still such a classic, even, yeah, in season eight. This is, yeah, oh my God. I had such fun watching this episode, but it was a pretty wacky episode. What were some of our favorite wacky moments? Uh, I think if we're going to talk wacky, we have to talk about the ending, the mafia war against the Yakuza. Yeah, will kill you five times before you hit the ground. <laughs> and it's like, what's this guy going to do? And he's just standing there in a white suit looking like... <laughs> You know it's going to be good. <laughs> this is one of those moments like when Bart and Lisa missed out on watching the episode where Scratchy got itchy, where mm. I'm like, oh, fuck it, Simpsons. I know it's the joke, but I really want to know what happened there. You have to go from the sound effects, man. It sounds like he really well kicked several people. <laughs> yeah, uh, he floated like in the Matrix when they're doing the wire shit. Mm. I know he did. Speaking of questions, when Abe shows up and is like, oh, he's just in his underwear, he's like, I had that dream again. <laughs> what is this story? Tell me more. And the, yeah, the implication that he politely moved aside and mm-hmm. went elsewhere when the mafia showed up. Well, I mean, he had his answer. Yeah, true. And just the whole crime montage. Mm. I especially like uh, the Girl Scout cookies being let out at the state line. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. And taking out the little the little pizza high chair as well yeah. like when they removed that was really good yeah <laughs> that yeah i know they've done some sickening things but taking those little pizza table things out of the pizza oh. <laughs> <laughs> kicking over poor molman's hot dog stand oh this yeah is a pretzel town <laughs> yeah that's it that's yeah yeah was this a reference to anything? It felt very Scorsese Mafia movie-ish. I think just every Mafia movie ever. I'm kind of a little bit surprised that, you know, when he does take that little uh, little support thing out of the pizza box and squashes it and those people get splashed, they don't kind of go into the poses from the death scene from The Godfather. All right. Like, it feels visually like it's that, but the, the, the poses was not, were not right. Fuck, I cannot talk today. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we're almost at the end. good. <laughs> Me words well. Excellent contribution to the podcast, my man. <laughs> tapper, tapper, tapper. <laughs> How about you, Lydia? Any other cartoony moments stand out to you? Oh, I do agree. That gangster montage was amazing. I think, mm. oh. Yeah, all the Mafia no, stuff is, a, is about as wacky as it got, right? I, know, I do like the one where the guy is setting up the instructional video and is like, sets the camera up, walks down to his desk, sits down, pretends to be doing something else. Oh, oh, hello, hello there. there. <laughs> oh, yeah, when Homer goes to the um, funeral and then his advisor's also yeah. there. And <laughs> same car accident. Same car. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank Ormond was played by Jack Lemon. Oh, nice. Yeah, who the Simpsons would reference numerous times with the character of Gil, who's sort of loosely based on Jack yeah. Lemon's character from Glengarry Glen Ross. 
Yeah, that was interesting. So I remember thinking that the guy in this one, he was like a successful Gil. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. But he oh, that- had some of that weird, like, Jack Lemony cadence that you know they absolutely wrote towards, just mm-hmm. like it was like, like the pretzel fever that keeps... <laughs> now let's get started. Uh-huh. It's just such an odd pacing to the his line deliveries. Well, even, yeah, his uh, physicality in that, it's almost like uh, he's played on a loop when he's laughing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that whole instructional video as well, it's just, oh, remember to check for millipedes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, and his whole, like, spiel trying to convince Marge to sign up as well. Like, mm-hmm. wherever mother doesn't know what to feed their baby. <laughs> <laughs> wherever nacho penetration is not quite complete, you'll yeah. be there. Oh, he was great. Absolutely uh, wonderful. And, of course, yeah, Joe Mantegna playing Fat Tony. And that does it for guest stars. But how about the heart of this episode? Did we feel the bumps? Definitely. It's just when Marge looks really defeated at the kitchen mm. table and she's saying, if you're nothing special, why kid yourself? And Oof. Yeah. Oh. Aim low. Aim so low, no one will care if you succeed. If anyone wants butter, it's under my face. Under my face. <laughs> And I love Homer's contribution here. And, you know, so many episodes, Homer sort of takes the focus and, you know, we've said it sort of becomes Mm. the Homer show at times. But this was him genuinely trying to help but doing a fucking bad job of it. Yeah, this is a good example of even though Homer is like the linchpin that propels the final act of this episode, it doesn't become focused on him. He's just the thing that moves it forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think a really touching moment that kind of depicts that is when Marge obviously gets the phone call for 300 pretzels and he's laying there with his eyes open, smiling. Mm, I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everything's going to be all right. Mm. (laughs) And then even when she confronts, how could you do this to someone you love? And how could I not? And Yeah, I do really like the heart moment at the end where he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I fucked everything up. And she's like, oh, I don't hate you for failing. I love you for trying. It's like, that's that's Mm. beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, supportive Homer, this is a great hat for him. And mm. speaking of great hats, I love that he takes his pretzel safety inspecting job way more seriously <laughs> than his job as a nuclear safety These inspector. These are pretzels, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love Homer in this episode. And the mm. family as well, they're really rallying behind Marge too. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, putting on their hairnets ready yep. for Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Are these the characters we all know and love? Definitely. I think it really reminded me of season seven. It's called Scenes from the Class Struggle in Springfield. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of Marge getting through that struggle of not like not getting into the patriarchal kind of like womanhood, sisterhood. And she's kind of saying, nah, my family beats all of that. I'm going to sell my yeah. pretzels, pay the mafia and get on with it. <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's Sort of in these uh, later season, later season, uh, after season four episodes, I should say, where they are making an active effort to include Marge into more storylines, and it feels like, yeah, they'd finally hit their stride with it here, but... Mm. Yeah, so few Marge episodes, but this is definitely a very good one. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, other characters that, like, I think everyone is pretty much on point here. Yeah, another one where I don't have anything in particular wrong, but does that make it perfect? We'll find out. Oh my goodness. Mm. How tantalizing it hyped for the ranking. Tantalizing as a salty pretzel. I do like a good pretzel. Who doesn't? You used to have Pretzel World back in the day. They were good. Oh yeah, but they'd make, like, those fucked up, like, candy pretzels, Mm. like, just cover that shit in liquid sugar and, like, crushed up Oreos and stuff. I said good. Yeah, <laughs> I like a good cinnamon pretzel. The nice soft mm-hmm. ones, they're good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, going to the Bavarian and just, yeah, getting a good old salted German pretzel with 
butter and <laughs> yeah, just really pumping up the old sodium, you know. Um, but yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Yes. Indeedly. Hell yeah. Like, I wasn't ready for how much I enjoyed this one on this watch. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself to you the are. ranking. But before we get to there, we asked a bunch more questions. Like, what playlist would we put this episode in? Oh, I think you'll have to go under the whole mafia mob. Like, get them mm. involved. The underbelly of crime of Springfield as well. Yeah. Hell yeah. Actually, when Disney released the 4.3 cuts of The Simpsons, the first episode I watched was uh, Bart the Murderer. Nice. And holy fuck, what a great episode. And mm-hmm. that was, yeah, Fat Tony's introduction. Oh. Yep. I'm going to say a playlist of The Simpsons Garage being turned into various things. So oh, like yeah. when mm. uh, Bart, it's a classroom for Bart here, it's a little office. I'm sure it's been other examples I can't think of right now. An angel museum. See the angel next to the rakes. <laughs> oh, leaping out of the air from the explosion playlist. <laughs> yes. What are they doing under my car? <laughs> well, there's some barnacles on the hull and uh, the deck was wet. And look, I'm just going to leap into the air. I suggest you do the same. Right. <laughs> BT, what would you like to change about this episode? Hmm. I am curious if there's another out on this one because it is technically, you know, exit by wacky. That's not a bad thing. It's just merely a. Surely their problems are not going away just because there's a mob war on their front lawn. Once that mob war is over, someone is still angry. Well, I do wonder where the five women went. I guess they just went back to their fleet of Peter truck and watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I mean, I can accept that, yeah, even though we don't reset to zero, you can imagine Marge has now just gone in overhead so much that she's given up the pretzel game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, just because Fat Tony has fought the Yakuza does not mean he has forgiven your debts. How about you, Lydia? What would you like to change about this episode? I don't think I would change anything, to be honest. Nothing. No. No, I am definitely nowhere near qualified to improve upon their script. I was so surprised with this one on this watch through. Mm. I it was, yeah, I, I really like this. Oh my God, I got to shut up because I'm not ranking it yet. There are more things to talk about. Lydia, do you have any other notes? I just like the way that Marge kind of goes from being a wet blanket, not able to make a decision. She's mm. kind of pondering like, oh, they've gone after the one business that I was considering like like buying into. And it just goes into her being like, we're going to make pretzels. And yeah. it's just that whole development where she's like, she struggles to stand up against like some housewives, but... When it's mm-hmm. the mafia, she has no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Stakes just weren't high enough for her. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But no, I do like how she gets into it. It's a very natural development of her character. It's not a betrayal of the woman we see at the beginning who's all, oh, maybe we should play it safe with our investments, and then he gets kicked out. But she naturally graduates towards uh, being a part of the pretzel wagon family. It's not something she just dashes into for the sake of the story. So I like that. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other notes, PT? I have plenty. You'll get your pancakes in the mail. Yeah. So one of the pancakes showing up. It's, yeah, one of those where it was a good line on its own and then the callback like, made mm-hmm. it five times better. Yeah, yeah. The subtitle is the franchise exposed to where all your non-sexual dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. Like when they have the phony ticker tape parade to get to throw out flies and it's just, welcome home, <laughs> space girl. What? <laughs> what I realized about this was this was the instruction before yeah. she got the instruction to make pretzels. I only really noticed that on this watch through as well, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love bad instructional videos. Uh, just the cadence of when they're at the ballpark and everyone's about to eat their pretzel and they all throw yeah. them, and here come the pretzels. <laughs> is every time I see a pretzel, that is just the cadence in my head from now on. Oh, but poor Marge. She thought she had such a mm-hmm. solid business strategy here. And 
something similar to this, and I think I might have actually told this story in the podcast mm-hmm. before, but fuck it. I've made 400 hours of this. I'm bound yeah. to repeat myself occasionally. Um, occasionally at my high school, all the students would be given like like some product testing and like for candy or chips or things like mm-hmm. that. It'd only be like ever like a small bag of crisps or, you know, a single chocolate bar. And we'd be given them in like our roll call like glass yeah, yeah. and sort of just asked to fill out a quick question and answer sheet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the candy is its own reward. Anyway, <laughs> uh, one particular day, every student got given like this 12 pack of like little chocolate cakes. Like would have been like, I don't know, about two, three inches. Like they were kind yeah, of sizable and it was a pretty big pack. Like. Mm-hmm. And they were disgusting. Like they were, <laughs> I don't know how you screw up chocolate so bad, but no one liked them. Recess was the biggest food fight <laughs> I have ever been privileged enough to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uniforms, all, and we had like white shirts as well. <laughs> Uniforms covered in chocolate cake. And the teachers, like, it was just anarchy. No teacher could control it. And any who dared step on the quad got covered in cake. So mm-hmm. they were just <laughs> like, I guess, let them just run out of steam and cake. Little did you know, that was the plan all along. <laughs> It was actually from, like, a bleach company who wanted everyone to wash their uniforms. Oh, right. Yeah, that's marketing, baby. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, it was a different kind of Hunger Games. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> um, so, anyway, that was a treasured memory from high school that, yeah, looking out after recess, and it's like, yeah, one of those, like, I don't know, war movies it's after the big battles. Yeah. Wow, what have we done here today? <laughs> Millions would die, but not the thing they died for. <laughs> I like how the mob advertised in the church bulletin. <laughs> and also, Fat Tony's line of, you have 24 hours, and to prove we're serious, you have 12 hours. I think the background looks gorgeous in this mm-hmm. scene. That beautiful pink to orange yeah, gradient. Kinda, Lovely. Kinda the desperation of being in the desert. Mm. Uh, and finally, Homer's final line of, I saw you try to cram one more salty treat into America's already bloated snack hole. How could I not help you? Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. Oh, wonderful, Homer. Now, I'm just going to take a moment to finish compiling my notes, but BT, Mm -hmm. I need you to ask Lydia what is obviously the most important question we will ask. Yeah, so speaking of snack holes, we have a question (laughs) for our first-time guests on this show, and that is, if you could have a sandwich named after you, what would be on that sandwich? Now, if that question is too hard, because it is the hardest question you will ever be asked, the simple follow-up is, what's the best sandwich? Okay, I'll start with the best sandwich, because that's Mm -hmm. probably an easier one to answer. Yep. I'm pretty basic, and I like a good tuna mayo and cucumber. Okay. Oh. Very popular forward. in England, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, the first entry for tuna on the sandwich. It is <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, don't smell my breath. <laughs> <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. No, that's a good refreshing sandwich. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not too heavy. That's like your nice little middle-of-the-day refresher sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, and the cucumber offers some kind of hydration as well, so it's mm-hmm. multifunctional. I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah! I All think right. you have the healthiest entry we have, <laughs> as opposed to like what of ham? Yeah, <laughs> someone who just wanted ham, a ham sandwich with ham for bread. Yeah, I did see a good example of a cheese sandwich as a meme the other day, which was just uh, bread between two slices of halloumi. Oh. And I'm like, I'm both disgusted and interested. Continue. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> All right. And for my final notes, the 
Investigals? What were they called? In- Investorettes, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I think it's it was yeah. 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 They are sponsoring a Mexican wrestler named El Bombastico. Mm-hmm. I would <laughs> like to see some of his matches as a Lucha Libre fan. I uh, love any reference in shows that make reference to the Go-Go 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once I was watching an old episode of Power Rangers and mm-hmm. someone was wearing a very cool shirt and Kimberly, the pink ranger, goes, oh my God, it's so 90s. <laughs> the decade that we're in, what? Yeah. <laughs> I know, no one's like, oh, that is so 2010s last year. Man, anyway. I mean, I have seen people walk past a garbage fire and go, so 2020. <laughs> Swish. Word. Um, Homer just missing his mouth completely and getting a hot dog straight in the eye. I do like his just background animation of just recovering from that as well. <laughs> There's a few little moments I noticed, like uh, when Maggie puts her hairnet completely over her head in the next scene that uh, Lisa's kind of fixing the hairnet for her. Yeah. Just little details. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I love the joke. It's not bad, and it's not bread. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, Jack Lemon kills me in this episode. Love that Burns was third in line for the pretzels as oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Even he gets excited over a food truck. The man knows a good snack. It's like, we still get an ice cream fan in our neighborhood. I know. And it's like, I couldn't be bothered getting my wallet and running out there. However, I want to. Yeah. Like, I really don't want ice cream, but just hearing dun, mm. dun, 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 <laughs> ice cream. And the fact that I used to live on, like, a main road when I was a kid, so we never got ice cream trucks. Oh, right. I want to recapture some, you know, youth I never got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so full on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we get to meet all of Cletus's children. Finally. Yes. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, Brittany. We- yeah. <laughs> yeah. We only get, like, First time for, like, one or two maybe characters max in an episode. We got, like, 30 in this one. More importantly, it was a Cletus joke that wasn't meth or incest. Yeah. (laughs) Remember when they used to do those? I do. Well, like, so many Cletus jokes later on are trying to just do this. He has lots of kids, but failing at it. This was... Mm. And it was doing a list of things, and it was still funny. And also, two of his kids were Jordan and Phil, so that's great for our regular panellists, Jordan and Phil. (laughs) Jordan, Phil, Phil. (laughs) Brittany... (laughs) We both went for Brittany after that. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> oh, and uh, here's another funny high school story. He also mentions one of his kids. His name is Rumor. Uh, when I was like 14 or 15 or something, I was briefly dating a girl whose name was Rumor. What? And she literally went to another school and none of my <laughs> fucking friends believed me. <laughs> <laughs> she was fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's a common name in certain parts no, of the not. world. But it just so happens in English it means rumour. Sure. <laughs> anyway, and that's all my notes. Time to rack this thing. Lydia, it is your turn to go first. Well, I love this episode. I would not fool anything. So I think that means that it's going to be a cubic zirconia. Woo, essential episode. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it makes sense for the one you picked today. So, I mean, how like how was it on this like critical watch for you? You know, uh, watching the episodes for the podcast versus watching them in, you know... The pure uh, enjoyment. Is yes. It's just a different eye. Definitely. Yeah, so yeah, I think when you consider... I think when you watch any episode of The Simpsons, you're like, oh, it's a bit of fun. But I think, like you said, once you watch it with a critical eye in mind, you start to pick up on the little mannerisms and the characters and you think, yeah, this is worthy of being critiqued. Yeah. And I'm going cubic as well. I was so surprised with this watch... And I don't know, maybe I was riding the high from the last one that I was also surprised to give a cubic. Um, Yeah, I had a really good time, and it's great seeing Marge in a leading role, and I think this episode 
does a lot to push the series in the day that it could have easily and sometimes did rest on its laurels. Mm-hmm. Essential. I'm on the gold cubic border, and I'm currently thinking I'm going to sluice down to gold. It's one of those ones where, hey, nothing's really wrong here, and it's a great episode. Gold is a good ranking. Something about that just isn't quite kicking into that higher echelon, even though this is a great Marge-focused episode, and there aren't terribly many of those. So yeah, I'm going to sit comfortably on a gold, I think, unless I want to call up Jordan and correct myself. He's always here at 3 a.m. in the morning when we want to. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Whether he wants to be or not. Well, that'll be a dull cubic zirconia, and this will be... Oh, there's a, quite a few of them. Mm. One, This will be the seventh episode from Season 8 to be Oof. called a dull cubic. It'll be joining Bart After Dark, the Maison Derriere, mm-hmm. a Millhouse Divided where Kirk and Luan split up, Lisa's date with Density, which you also sluiced down to a gold on. It's tough being right. Oh, that's such a good episode. Oh, Homer versus the 18th Amendment, which I almost... <laughs> <laughs> disemboweled Danny for giving a, a gold. Uh, yeah. Also in March We Trust, which is the Listen Lady mm-hmm. and the Simpsons spin-off showcase. Mm. Alright. Well, look, Lydia, thank you so much for doing the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if people want to check out more of your work, where are you? What are you doing? How how'd you get here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Simpsons Theory, and there we kind of post up mini theories, mini little skits, mm-hmm. and it's a really good device for us to really show our audiences what we're doing. And then our official YouTube channel is at The Simpsons Theory, and every single week we put out new theories, fandoms, and collaborations with other Simpsons Simpsons lovers. Oh, cool. That'd be really interesting. But yeah, also been really enjoying your channel, Um, especially the recent one, you know, Maud, is she evil or not? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what are you possibly going to... It's Maud. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Think about her in this one, man. She's uh, more of a background character, but she's kind of a bitch. Oh yeah, she throws in some punches. Yeah, I think you do. You did use this episode to illustrate a yeah. couple of Maud flaws. Yes, definitely. I think it was her whole teaming up with Helen Lovejoy and how she is quite manipulative and she's one of the front runners of really making Marge feel a bit like shit, which is, yeah. Mm. Poor Marge. Yeah. But like I said at the top, it's, yeah, it's a good bit of fun and, yeah, always love chatting with sim- people who are passionate about Simpsons <laughs> and <laughs> making Simpsons content. No, you too. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. And BT, our other podcast. Our other podcast is Thrones of Game, the Game of Thrones podcast that dares to watch the series backwards. So I've already seen the entire show, but Elliot J. O'Neill had not seen a single episode until we started watching in reverse order. Gives us a unique perspective. We can now pinpoint exactly where Game of Thrones went wrong, and it is not season seven and eight like most people think. So when was it really? Well, you'll just have to listen and find out. <laughs> and also, by the time this episode comes out, we would have launched our new podcast series, Pulp Fury Radio, podcast anthology series, where in each episode we're tackling a different genre of doing old school radio play aesthetics with modern storytelling. Mm-hmm. And you wrote them. Yep. <laughs> and we both directed them and you produced them. <laughs> yep, and the first one that's coming out that should be in the feeds by now is It Came From the Bottom of the Ocean, but also From Space. Yeah, a bit of sci-fi horror B-grade movie madness for you in podcast form. Wow, so who are you going to be? Do you bring on people? Is it two of you? What do you do for that? 
Uh, no, we hired a bunch of actors, as, ma- as many vocal talent as we could find, and it's just uh, various scripts, they're all different, so one's, you know, uh, noir detective, one's like a murder mystery, is, uh, like I said, sci-fi horror, so just anything I feel like writing that's also a bit weird, because that's what I like writing. <laughs> Amazing, mm. yes. And one of them's also the one comedy that we've got in the mm. mix as well is asking a simple question, you know, what happened to the D students of Hogwarts? <laughs> Where did where did they go? You know, you get this degree in magic that you can't use in the Muggle world. So what do you do when you weren't good at it? It bothers me so much. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> why did they study if the best you can do is go study at the Ministry of Magic? Doesn't make sense. Exactly. Why did why did Harry become an aura? It's bizarre. He should have been professor or. But even then, education is the only thing you can go into. Yeah. That's the most exciting career. Exactly. Yeah, the people who own shops in Diagon Alley, they're not going anywhere. Yep. <laughs> They've been there for thousands of years, and they'll be the first to tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Pulp Fury Radio. Check that out on anywhere you get your podcast, uh, pulpfuryradio.com. And, yeah, look, that about does it for the Simpsons Index for this week. Again, thank you so much, Lydia. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been lovely. BT, thank you as always. No, hi. And I've been your host, Elliot J. O'Neill. That's all the mustard in the house! (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Simpsons Index Podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at simpsonsindex on Twitter or Instagram. Now, there's no bonus scenes for this episode, so we'll catch you next week.